You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest. We're so glad that you've joined us. We've taken a break the last week or so, and we are back at it discussing brokenness, discussing forgiveness and repentance and restoration, and in particular, looking at the life of King David and his sin with Bathsheba, and how through that whole thing, God brought King David to a point of restoration and forgiveness. Now, the question that we're going to ask and hopefully answer in our short time here together is, where are we? How does, how does this story apply to us? How does this story have an impact on us and our understanding of of the gospel and our understanding of who God is and how God sees our sin and how we should respond to our sin? So, Pastor David, without any further ado, would you just uh, open us up with a a few comments about this and then we'll just get the conversation rolling from there? Sure. Just to identify how real this is in our lives. Uh, the story from 2 Samuel 11 and 12, and then the follow-up words from David, a prayer of restoration to God in Psalm 51. I think, I think of two things immediately. I think, first of all, when something like this happens, um, mm-hmm. our immediate response can be despair, and we can live there for a very long time. In many ways, like David did when he, he basically said, don't worry about this. In Second uh, Samuel chapter eleven, in his response to Joab, um, but we also read in a place like Psalm thirty-two. I also think Psalm six uh, at a certain level. It wasn't good for David. Um, mm-hmm. David was living in a level of despair. So, uh, what takes place in Second Samuel eleven and twelve and Psalm fifty-one don't always take place or take a long time yeah. to take place. And as you introduced our topic, just even the acknowledgement of sin, the acknowledgement of brokenness, what repentance looks like, how do you even confront someone? All of what we talked about in those uh, sermons, we we can just live uh, in brokenness and despair, and relationships, by extension, can live there as well. And then I think the second thing is, what takes place in David's life, uh, those big moments, so um, David's sin... Nathan's uh, confrontation, uh, David's repentance, confession, and then restoration. Even though these are big moments in David's life, in many ways, they give us an example of uh, often the small moments in life. In other words, we don't have to commit a big sin like David and Mm -hmm. Bathsheba and Uriah, but the pattern that's set um, is lived out in very small moments and often quick interactions. So I'll say to my wife, um, I did this, please forgive me after she confronts me. Um, and then we, you know, pray for restoration. And that's just, that's not a big moment. That's a, that's a small life moment. So mm-hmm. what, what we read in Second Samuel 11 and 12 and Psalm 51 are patterns of the Christian life. Um, mm-hmm. We often think, oh, it has to be a big thing. It doesn't. Um, this, this should be what the Christian life is. People, I need people to confront me i need to say like david i have sinned and then seek restoration byron how do you think 
we can get to that point where we're welcoming that kind of that kind of uh, accountability, I guess, or that kind of um, just doing life together and caring for one another to the point where we're saying, you know, I want to welcome those kinds of conversations. And like, do we do we have that kind of relationship with everybody or are there particular people? Should we have it with everybody? If somebody's a Christian, shouldn't we have it with everybody? But how do we get to that point, you think? I can't help but think, but a big part of it is, do we want it? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not going to be easy and it's not going to come naturally. You think even with David here, the child's already been born. Like It's easily a year after what has happened and that's gone on. And as David pointed out, he, he was suffering in some ways, but he was hard. And I, mm. why did Nathan wait so long? Why did God not send him the next week? Well, there was some time there and he had to come to the place where he could hear mm-hmm. Nathan say, you're the man, and that he would actually respond, I have sinned, as opposed to cut off his head and get the guy out of here, mm-hmm. because he had the power to do that, right? So, okay, God will be working in our hearts. Are we wanting that openness with people? If we want it, and David certainly came to that point, then it becomes, okay, what do we do to get there? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, sometimes the missing part as well, is how do we even begin a conversation like that? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was what was interesting in both Second Samuel um, 12 and Psalm 51. It really does begin with the gospel, a reminder of the gospel. Imagine if uh, we've gone through something very difficult and we know we've sinned. Mm-hmm. We just know we've sinned. Our first place that we often go is, okay, I just need to go and confess my sin. But neither David um, nor, uh, or neither Nathan nor David begins there. So in Second Samuel chapter 12, Nathan begins with a story, obviously the conviction of sin, but also celebrates, said, this is the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with that, um, it's not just the conviction of sin, but it's, you know, God, God would have done this. This is how good God is. And that's just a reminder of God's goodness. In, yeah. in Psalm 51, David begins with, be gracious with me, God. And that's his beginning. So he yeah. begins not with his sin. His, and, and I think that's a way that if people are struggling to have those difficult conversations with someone else, as you mentioned, you know, it, they may just not want to. Um, but mm. sometimes not wanting to is also, I don't even know how. And um, if, if we can create a culture or an atmosphere in relationships where we begin with the gospel and are reminded that the only reason we can have a, um, the, the, a conversation about potential restoration is it has to begin with the gospel. It has mm-hmm. to begin with an honest conversation about ourselves, but also an honest conversation about God. And, and what his goodness in our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause when, when you begin there, right, you, you uh, begin there humbly, just like those words of Psalm Absolutely. 51, yeah. have mercy upon me. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, David acknowledges that he is basically the bottom of the pit of despair and that he needs to plead for God's mercy and mm-hmm. plead for God's grace yeah. uh, in that moment. So that's a very humbling moment, right? One of the things that occurs to me is that Nathan and David did have some kind of a relationship. We don't know the details, but back when the the covenant stuff happened Mm -hmm. a few chapters before, David's sharing with him 
I've got this idea, I'd, I'd like to do this, you know? And they knew each other. And the way Nathan comes in here, I don't think it's just happenstance. He knows David. He, he knows David's heart, that he is a man after God, despite the fact of how he has sinned. And he comes in on where David's at, with right and wrong and justice and caring and, and that sort of thing. And that the story really just pierces right through all his defenses. Mm -hmm. So Nathan doesn't come in wagging a finger. Most of us know we've sinned when we've sinned. It's not like somebody has to confront us and tell us you did this. But he comes in with this story that just reaches to his heart. And then he's so open mm -hmm. when the truth is it's you. Yeah, when you talk about confrontation, we often think you, you have to rush in and, you know, just and, and let the person have it. List mm -hmm. their sins. And that's why... You know, Nathan, again, I think he began with the gospel. He, he had a heart story. Um, he roused David's heart um, that generally there's sin to be angry about. And then he talked about the goodness of God, and then he talked specifically about David's sin. But I think as well, sometimes there's a, there can be a lot of anger and confrontation. And there is righteous anger. Um, and I think some people listening might say, well, then that basically means the person can get away, like uh, the gospel. Um, so I just have to forgive. Uh, and, and I think that's what makes Nathan's conversation with David uh, so amazing is Nathan seemed to have this balance where um, he would begin with the gospel, the goodness of God, um, but um, that didn't take away from consequences, and that didn't take yeah. away from truth. And so we have a hard time separating that. Um, mm -hmm. There are times, and rightly so, the per we just, you know, our, our natural feeling is we want to punish the person. They really hurt us. And we're not sure if we're ready to forgive at that point. Um, it is interesting with David and Nathan that after David um, confessed, <laughs> uh, the Lord forgave. But then there were consequences. Yeah. And I think that's part of the pattern of the conversation is you begin with the gospel, and then you talk about the specific sin, um, which leads to forgiveness, but then it also leads to a discussion of the consequences. Like, if this was done, then I'm not sure if I'm ready to do this or be in this position again mm -hmm. um, until certain things change or a trust is built, and that might be for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I think saying that, is part of the healthy conversation, right? Your actions have had this effect on me. Yeah. Therefore, uh, how can we move forward? How yeah. can we move toward restoration? We're not going to leap back into it. Yeah. And, and a gospel conversation is we, we all know we don't always choose God's goodness. We choose our sin. Mm -hmm. um, and we choose to try to be satisfied in our sin knowing that that that's not the case so um it is it is amazing how gentle and yet forthright uh nathan was i mean that is a extremely honest conversation yeah. but you can imagine nathan beginning with you know almost himself and saying i get temptation um, so if I'm going to go mm -hmm. and confront someone, I get temptation. 
um, their temptation may not be my temptation, but boy, um, and, and I understand grace um, at a level. I need God's grace. In fact, it's only by God's grace. And so if we begin that, and then that naturally leads to, if in a place of grace, we can talk honestly about sins and forgiveness and consequences. These are my sins, or these are your sins. Um, I forgive you, but I really struggle with forgive, forgiving you. So I need to talk about what forgiveness looks like here. Um, or, but even though I um, have, forgi- have forgiven you, the, there are these consequences. Or I really struggle with anger, or I struggle with hatred, um, or I struggle with wanting to distance myself and just leave this entire mess. Um, all of those. But that, in that realm, it, it at least allows for that conversation to take place. Yeah. Yeah, and those are some good points to make because Nathan approached this conversation not hot-headedly. He didn't rush in there and, you know, guns yeah. blazing. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was self-controlled. Mm-hmm. He was in the spirit uh, in this, in this uh, discussion and in bringing this to light in, in David's life. And like you had mentioned, sometimes we can just jump into these conversations when we're, yeah. not, we're not in a good state of mind uh, emotionally um, to, to have these kinds of conversations. And it's okay if we need to take some time yeah. and we need to cool down <laughs> a yeah, little but bit. But the problem you know? is, <laughs> is like we're sitting in a, in a room and we're talking nicely about very messy yeah. things. Yes. Right? So yeah. I don't want to wait yeah. to confront someone. Mm-hmm. I want them to hurt like they hurt me mm-hmm. or I want them to feel a bit of the pain that I'm feeling. And so even in this, and, and that's why um, we began by saying this, this is a big moment for David, but if, if we're living these big moments in the small moments and making them the pattern, like when I, when I do a small sin or what I, what I think is a small sin, um, maybe just a word to my wife that's not good or a friend, then the pattern is, you know, I sinned, please forgive me. So that when the bigger moments come, that's just the extension of the pattern of every, yeah. like, for example, if you never exercise and you go out and run a 10 K or swim 10 K, you're just going to, you know, <laughs> you're going to pass out halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're going to make kilometer one or kilometer two. Um, and the same, if this should not be unusual language to us, mm-hmm. this is just daily gospel living Amen. where I'm humbling myself. I'm open to, you know, others speaking into my life. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to grow that way. Um, and, and so, but honestly, there are just, there are moments where it will not be a Nathan and David moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it will just be an, it will be a volcanic eruption of anger and it's yeah. not, um, but then, uh, you know, if that takes place, then you head back to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you head back to an honest conversation about why we responded that way and then um, seeking forgiveness and then mm-hmm. talking about some of the some of the negative consequences on our relationship or even on our emotions towards God or others and then some of the positive mm-hmm. um, so uh, you know s- some of the positive is for example God uses our sin and our suffering and our searching to grow us actually not to destroy mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's God who sent Nathan. Um, mm-hmm. God basically said that's enough. 
but he used Nathan. And sometimes mm-hmm. God uses other people in our mm-hmm. lives to say that's enough. And what a picture of his grace too, right? Yeah. You know, where he, he waited this, this amount of time and then he sends Nathan and with the gentle but firm voice, truthful voice, mm-hmm. a gospel voice. Now, looking at David's response here, Byron, question for you. Not every, not every time do we have this kind of response when somebody confronts us or somebody else has this response when they're confronted from, um, by someone. What do you think is so important about David's response to this, um, to this confrontation in this moment? And why, what, can, what can we learn from his response? And how can we take, um, take what's here in this passage, apply it to our life, and to know, okay, next time somebody comes to me, with this kind of conversation, this is how I would, I would, I would hope and I pray that I would respond. Well, he certainly is very real. He, okay, he admits, verse 13, I've sinned, and then what does he do? Well, he's honest, accepting his guilt, but he's pleading with God mm-hmm. to spare the life of the child. Horrible consequences. Um, but he's, he's pleading with God, he's spending, it's, it's real. It's not just put on for show mm-hmm. to say, oh yeah, let's make everything back the way it was. So he is, is honest that way. And then when the child dies, you see that fascinating dynamic. He picks up by the way the servants are acting that the child must have died. Yeah. And so then he gets up. And they, and they, what gives? Because it's backwards in their mind. You should have been all right and hopeful while the child was around, and now you should be distraught. Mm-hmm. Well, he says, no, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. Which doesn't mean God wasn't gracious, right? but that was a particular way or, or display of God's grace that David was hoping for. And he was up front with God asking for that. But when that goes on, when that passes, that's no longer an opportunity. He's able to accept it. I think that is not easy. You know, that's going to be exceptionally difficult because the consequences can be so difficult. Mm -hmm. But he continues to look to the Lord and try to say, okay, I'm moving on from this. Mm-hmm. Not ignoring it, but I'm not going to live in it mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So the whole process, I think, of him working it through, yes, it's only a week, but it's that starting off honesty, relating, he's back talking and connecting, making love in this case with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. reaffirming their love for each other. And ironically, the God gives them a son and he sends Nathan back again to pronounce his blessing on this child. Yeah. What a beautiful yeah. thing. Now, we may not hear from God that way. We probably won't, mm-hmm. you know, but that whole thing. And like David said, what God brings out of it, Psalm 51, what a horrible experience led to that Psalm. But how many people have been blessed for how many years to read those words and say, yes, 
-hmm. how blessed it is. You're mm -hmm. forgiven, a clean heart from God, moving on. I'm going to share God's goodness with yeah. others, etc., etc. I know I've I've been immensely blessed by that psalm over the years and uh, continue to think about it. Um, but Pastor David, why don't um, you just take a few moments and just talk about that that psalm of repentance um, and David's response and, and in closing, just just uh, highlight a few things in there that you think are important for us in our understanding of of the gospel. Yeah, I think if somebody is saying, okay. I've listened to this, but I still don't know how mm -hmm. to have that kind of conversation with someone that I have to confront or someone with whom I want to confess my sin. Um, how do I have it? And that's what I think is the beautiful thing about Psalm 51. As Byron mentioned, um, there are so many riches in Psalm 51. Even just if, so, so you could have five conversations from Psalm 51. The first conversation um, and, and I'm not talking long conversations, although they might turn into long, like five, 10 minute conversations. And you just walk through those five um, aspects of a larger conversation. So verses one and two, just the confession of grace that whatever happens, whatever this discussion is going to look like, I am going to try not to punish you or mm -hmm. I'm going to we're going to try to remember the gospel and and understand that. You have your temptation. I might never to diminish temptations, um, but just you're, you're going to begin with the gospel. And then uh, Psalm 51 talks about, David just talked about his sin, um, his rebellion. <laughs> and then he talked about uh, his desire for integrity, his desire for change. And then he talked about his struggle with change in verses 10 through 13. Um, so you have the gospel, you have sin, you have integrity and say, I, I really want to be a man or a woman, boy or girl of integrity, but I'm going to struggle with this. Like, don't banish me. I, I feel like God's just going to banish me and I won't have that um, clean heart or that steadfast spirit. And then finally, um, how to praise God. And I think that's what restoration looks like. So praising God is really verses 14 to 19. Um, and where he says, the God of my salvation, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. My mouth will declare your praise. What are areas that we can praise God? Mm -hmm. um, and so really, you've just done some really good theology by mm -hmm. saying we're sinners and we're struggling with sin. Um, we're being sanctified and we're struggling with integrity. Uh, we're struggling with the fatherhood of God and we're struggling with assurance in verses 10 through 13. Um, but a play, but how do we end up in a place of worship? And that leads that that's all, that's our ultimate restoration is our place of worship. So very practically, a couple or friends or church members just saying, let's have four or five conversations within the larger conversation of Psalm 51. Um, it begins with the gospel. It begins with the issue leading to wanting integrity, sanctification, leading to assurance. That's, that'd be huge in a relationship is to build up assurance. I'm here with you. Um, and then leading to how do, we, how do we praise God together? How do we do life together once again when it's been so severely broken? Mm -hmm. um, so practically, I think that's, that's, a, that's an excellent place to start. Wonderful. Well, we encourage you, take some time, read through Psalm 51, pray through Psalm 51, and just ask, ask yourselves those questions, Lord. Um, Am I approaching 
my life and these and my own sin with the humility that I need to be and help ask him to help you see the gospel through those moments of your life the gospel that brings us to that point of humility acknowledging of our sin but also brings us to the cross and acknowledging God's forgiveness and his restoration. Yeah, and that's good. We didn't get to talk about that, but if, if someone's struggling with their relationship with God, mm-hmm. this is a prayer of it restoration with is. God. So it's not just relationship to relationship, yeah. but if you're saying, you just say, God, I know you're gracious and God, here's mm-hmm. my sin and God, I want integrity, um, but I'm afraid of assurance and I want to praise you. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 51 is a place where we can have our heart dealings with God as well for restoration. Amen.